following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. If you have a Bible with you, please turn to Matthew uh, chapter 11. We're looking at verses 28 through 30. We are still uh, going on in our, our Curious series. Questions keep rolling in, and, and so we keep rolling on uh, for now. I am going to let the cat out of the bag. I, did, I didn't tell Pastor Jordan I was going to do this, so hopefully I'm not in trouble. But uh, we are coming to a stop of the Curious series soon, and, and our next series is going to be a study through the book of Galatians, which I cannot wait to dive into with you guys. It's going to be rad, okay? So just giving you a little bit of a forward-looking view there. Uh, so today's question, uh, and, and well, if you're new today, what's the Curious series? That sounds weird. Basically, we've been asking you guys for questions about the Bible and life and the intersection of those things, and uh, so we've built a series around that because, uh, in general, we're working through books of the Bible. That's most, the most prominent way that we uh, study the scriptures together, and so that might mean we may not hit a, a certain topic that's been kind of burning in your mind and heart, uh, if it isn't addressed in uh, the you know, specific book that we're going through, and it can take a while to make it through books of the Bible. So every couple years, we pause and give you guys a chance to say, hey, this is what's bugging me, or hey, this is what I've been thinking about or wondering about. And uh, it's, it's been really fun for me to do and, and hopefully helpful for all of us together. So today's question is, is one that some may think that they know the answer to. And, and on the other end, some may have never even thought about it. I want to submit to you, though, before I tell you what it is, it's very important that we don't make quick assumptions or ignore this issue because it is something that literally every single one of us has to navigate in our daily lives. And even in preparing for this, I realized how, many, how much I probably had a quick assumption that I had a circumspect thought around this. And, and that it's, it, it has, it's more complicated than it seems in some ways. So, What is the question? The question is, how can you tell the difference between biblical rest and laziness? How can you tell the difference between biblical rest and laziness? So I ask you to turn to Matthew 11, uh, as I said, verses 28 through 30. If you don't have a Bible or an app, they'll be on the screen, the verses, so you can follow along. If you don't own a Bible, uh, one of our favorite things to do is give them away. So let us know after the service. We'd like to give you one, okay? For free. Did you hear that? That's a good deal. We don't want anything from you. We just want to give you a Bible. Okay, so let's read Matthew 11. As I said, verses 28 through 30. These are the words of Jesus, our master. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest For your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Praise God for his word. Sure glad he said that. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit more about what it means. So, the first thing I want us to acknowledge and and be honest about is, is that this hits every one of us differently. This set of verses. And that's based on several factors. I'm going to point out some. There's there's probably more nuance along a spectrum, but in any case. Some of you hear what I just read, 
And, and it doesn't seem to resonate much because you don't really feel like you need rest. So it could hit you there. Uh, some of you may even scoff at it a bit because for some, the idea of acknowledging a need for rest, even acknowledging a need for it, that feels like laziness because work and busyness is an idol for you. And I want to make sure I'm, I'm compassionate about that. There's, there's going to be Lots of corrective help for everybody today, but look, man, I understand a lot of how we end up where we end up in these things. It can have to do with the way we were raised, who raised us, what kind of proclivities and propensities they had, right? So um, at, at no point today is this, to, is this to jump on you, but it's to, it's to at least have us aware that this is a matter of great importance and to be able to kind of place ourselves in it and understand how it is we're going to need to move to find kind of a, um, a gospel balance. So, so some of you might even scoff at it, right? To even for you to even say to admit that you feel like you need rest that that feels like laziness. Maybe you were raised by a workaholic that just told you move all the time or you're useless. <laughs> you know, um, I, I had one of those in my family. Okay, so you could be on that end of the spectrum. Some of you hear this, and, and when Jesus says, "Come to me, all who are weary." and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You hear that, and it resonates like a cup of cold water does to a man dying of thirst because you feel a desperate need for rest. However, even if that's the case, you may also possibly struggle with an idol of leisure and as a result be tempted towards the sin of laziness. Okay, so... That, that's why we, a verse like this, we can't, we can't just deal with one side of this because I've got all different kinds of folks in here. I know this verse hit all of you at differently, right? Because we're all at a different spot. <clears throat> so to illustrate that further, like, maybe you don't know what I meant. Maybe, hopefully this will help, maybe not. But some of you hear this set of verses, Jesus talking about all who are weary, come to me and I'll give you rest. You, you hear that, and, and you're tempted towards an attitude like, you know, you're like, you know, rest is for wimps, basically, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to produce with maximum efficiency at all times, right? Like, that's, that's you, all right? But if that's you today, if you're there, like, bring it down a notch, macho man Randy Savage. You're going to have to chill some, okay? That's, that's not a balanced view of how to see this, Right? So that's, that's maybe some of you, or you tend more to that way. Some of you are tempted towards an attitude like, oh yeah, see, I really like that verse. See, Jesus does want me to rest, right? So even though, yes, I know I am 12 episodes deep into this mind-numbing TV show, yes, Netflix, I am still watching. <laughs> right? And here's what I would say to you. If Netflix knows it's weird that you're still there, like there might be a problem. You know what I mean? Like let's just, possibly. Right? <laughs> like, their whole business model is keeping you there, right? So if they're worried, like are, are, you, are you still there? Like for real? You know, like, <laughs> oh man, there's so much wiggling happening out there right now. Like, oh, yep, I've seen that screen before. And clicked yes. Okay, so, with that much variance among us, with, with that much range, how do we sort all this out? Because the Bible, it encourages us toward diligence, 
And it warns against the dangers of laziness, but the Bible also encourages us towards rest and the dangers of refusing it. So how do we, how do we work through this? And, and I think this idea is it's, it's illustrated well in, in the juxtaposition of, of two scriptures, and I'm going to give them to you. I could have picked lots more, but these two, I, I think, kind of prominently show the contrast. One is from Proverbs, and one is from Psalms. Okay, so let's read the one from Proverbs first. I'm in Proverbs 6, verses 9 through 11. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Aren't you glad the Bible's straightforward? Wow. Okay. (laughs) When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Woo. And here's the thing. Here's what I want you to know. A bunch of you in here, you heard that verse, and you're like, yes, lazy people are useless. Let's work. Let's do work. Right? And some of you in here are like, I don't like that verse at all. I like laying down a lot, right? So <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on here. Okay, so let me, let me give you the other one. This is from Psalm, okay? Psalm 127, verse 2. Remember the one we just read? That's true. Now hear this. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for bread to eat, for he gives sleep to his beloved. How all of you work folks doing now? Whoa, I didn't even know that verse was in there. I'm not as happy about that one. And of course, those prone to laziness are like Psalm 127 too. That, that's my life verse. I'm getting a tat. I'm getting a bumper sticker. It's on, right? Okay? <laughs> if, if that's any part of what's happening right now, this, was, this, is, this sermon's going really bad, okay? That's not where we want to end up today. Oh, I found my favorite verse. I'm going to burrow into my sinful tendencies. Amen. Nope. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, help us. But so to hear those two verses, though, read right next to each other, it's like, okay, Lord, like, which one is it, right? How, how can both of these be true? And, and how do we know? How do we know? This is the heart of the question today. How do we know if we are being the, the sinful sluggard of Proverbs or the obedient beloved of Psalm 127? How do we know? Because you could, you could just make assumptions that however you tend to be wired or what you prefer is right and good and you're operating in, in, a, in a safe, healthy, circumspect space. And I think that's probably what happens a lot of times. Uh, we're not really pushed to realize, man, uh, there's maybe more to be considered here. So how do we know? And what I'm submitting to you today is that thankfully... In Jesus, we have the perfect example to help us sort this out. And, and as a matter of fact, in the invitation we read earlier in Matthew, he tells us exactly where to look. Because in verse 29, our master says, take my yoke upon you and what? Learn from me. Learn from me. Okay? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to We're going to look to the way Jesus navigated this set of issues and hopefully learn from him. We're going to come to him uh, for the purpose of instruction and correction and encouragement even. Okay? So, I'm going to give you three things to consider. There's probably more, but um, because of the complexity of the sermon content last week, I looked at the sermon audio. It's an hour and 17 minutes. 
That's long. So today's going to be shorter. Just balance it out. Amen. I'm just going to give you three things. All right. (laughs) Amazed how many of you came back after last week. It's really good. (laughs) Hallelujah. So here's the first thing I'm going to give you to consider as we work our way through this. Remember the question, how do we know the difference between biblical rest and sinful laziness? All right? So biblical rest has a purpose. Biblical rest has a purpose. It's pretty clear if we scan the gospel accounts that Jesus was a man on a mission. Okay? Why do I say that? Well, if you read about what he's doing, it's pretty clear. But he said things also like this. John 9 verse 4. We must carry out the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Okay? To read the gospels, you see Jesus ran hard. Teaching, healing, feeding, serving and loving people. Jesus knew why he was here and he knew that his time was limited. And he operated out of those truths. Learning to see our lives as a purpose-filled mission with eternal implications is one of the ways that we can learn from Jesus how to stay out of sinful overworking or sinful underworking. Those prone to rejecting rest and overworking, they may very well see their life as a purpose-filled mission, but they could be on the wrong mission. It's easy to get wrapped up in the trappings of this world and a self-focused pursuit of wealth or, or status or power. It has, it has intoxicated many and it's distracted their minds to the reality that oftentimes uh, this world is not their home. That pursuit can intoxicate like strong drink, man, and it can, it can take away your perception of the reality of what's really going on, what's really important, what really matters. The Bible has all kinds of warnings about that. Oftentimes what you see happening there in that, in that overworking and striving to obtain wealth or power, status, meaning sometimes, identity, we could keep going. Oftentimes they are trying to grasp the perfection of eternity by creating their own little kingdom here and now. Okay? That's not the right approach. <laughs> uh, we, we have an identity that usurps all other identities. We are sons and daughters of God by faith in Christ, right? We're going to reign, the Bible says we're going to reign with him in eternity, okay? So whatever other paltry little status you're trying to attain for yourself here on earth, it it pales in comparison to what you've already been given as a free gift in Christ. And trying to build your own little kingdom and insulate yourself here from whatever it is you don't like, whatever, whatever, the, whatever parts of the imperfection of this world bothers you the most by obtaining wealth, status, power so that you can, you can create a little world the way you want it, leads to disappointment in the end and it leads to distraction from the work that we're really called to do as followers of Jesus. Those Those, on the other hand, who are prone to seeking rest at every possible opportunity, 
they've also been duped into the wrong mission. Because a self-focused pursuit of leisure has numbed the minds of many to the reality that this world is not their home. You see how these opposite extremes oftentimes have the same motivations at the root. They just manifest different. Oftentimes folks that are, that are sinning that way, they're trying to grasp the rest we are promised in eternity through laziness here and now. So the overworker might be trying to, through their own might and power, strength, performance, build their own little kingdom. The one prone to laziness may be trying to get a different promise that we have in eternity brought to them here and now. Both of them want control. They just go at it different ways. Interesting. Each one of us has a God-given purpose that will require us to be wise stewards of the time and energy we've been entrusted with. And that means we will need to rest with intention, acknowledging we are not God, and we will need to work with intention, acknowledging that we belong to him. Amen. Godly rest is done with humility and eternal purpose in view. Laziness gives no thought to any purpose beyond what feels good in the moment. What are we doing? What what am I breaking down here? Remember, we're trying to understand because it's not actually that clear sometimes the difference between biblical rest and sinful laziness. That's what we're working on together because we don't want you to be trapped. I mean, if you go through Proverbs, man, I already read about the sluggard. There's so many warnings about the dangers of laziness. But there's so many warnings also about the pursuit of riches. There's a lot of warnings when you put them all together about selfishness and not understanding that you're here for a mission and a purpose that has eternal implications, that you belong to a master that bought you with his blood and that we got to proceed accordingly. Amen. That was an amen spot that 80% of you missed, but we'll try again, okay? (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) We'll get there. All right. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, so that was point one, okay? Biblical rest has a purpose. Number two, biblical rest, and this one's gonna hit you a little weird maybe. Biblical rest is active, not passive. Biblical rest is active, not passive. Consider this with me. Jesus did not say, if you are weary or heavy laden, lay down in the fetal position until you feel better. (laughs) Did he? No, he did not. What did he say? He said, if you are weary and heavy laden, come to me. Come to me. Here's the thing. For those of you prone to sin by refusing rest, you need to know it doesn't just happen on its own. And if you take the approach that you're going to just run as hard as you can, as long as you can, and only slow down when you feel you have to, it is a sure path to calamity. We're saying that pretty confident, buddy. You have a verse? Wouldn't you know it? I do. Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. 
It's not that hard to understand how running in that kind of hardcore, self-sufficient, I can do it, pull myself up by my bootstraps all the time, rah, rah, rah type thing, for sure would have a propensity, according to Jeremiah, to turn our hearts away from the Lord. Seeing as how, you know, the law and basically everything God did from uh, sin forward was to let us know how much we need him. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the Bible makes clearly the purpose of the law was to be a tutor to teach us one lesson, that we can't keep it. So what that means is we're going to need God to help us. See, man, and it's sneaky, isn't it? It's so subtle to get into a groove of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all the right things for God, and that's going to make the difference. Like it, it's, it's razor thin, the difference between that and realizing, man, I can't do it all. I still, I still want to accomplish the things that I've been put here to do, but the source of the strength to do it has to be right. Because if I think I'm doing it on my own, right? It, a crash and burn is coming, whether it's visible to everyone else or not. Whether it's, it's some big extravagant, like, failing in life where things just blow apart because you, you, you ran the train off the tracks, whether it's that, or it's, it's a slow like dimming of, of the flicker of, of God's light in your heart, man. Either way, it's tragic. <clears throat> Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. So remember that. As we said a couple weeks ago in the Sermon on Boundaries, if King Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, had to take intentional time for rest, How dare you think you have no need of the same? I mean, you may not think of that as pride, but it's textbook. The epitome of it. Oh, I can can do better. I can do this better and faster and more efficiently than Jesus. No. (laughs) Sit down and think about it a bit longer. Ask for help if you're stuck, okay? We... Now, for those of you prone to sin by laziness and avoiding discomfort or responsibility whenever possible, it's imperative that you reconsider what rest actually is. Proverbs 26, 13. The sluggard says, there's a lion on the road. There's a lion in the open square. You might be thinking, that's weird. Like, what? <laughs> what do sluggards got to do with lions? I don't, I don't get it. The point of the proverb is that this... This person is so dedicated to their laziness, so dedicated to the avoidance of whatever challenge rests outside of their home and the comfort of sitting there in their, you know, in this case, whatever Hebrew PJs look like. Uh, they're, they're so committed to that that they'll, they'll actually, they'll make up dangers. Well, there, there might, there's a line out there where there, there might be, I better just sit here, watch my Hebrew Hulu, Here's what we need to know. We're still defining biblical rest, man. We need help with this. It's not that easy. Biblical rest is not making excuses to avoid action or responsibility. That's not what it is. It is engaging in these things while drawing on the strength that God provides. Right? I said, what point are we in? Point two, which is what? 
Biblical rest is active, not passive. Most of us need at least some tweaking on our idea of what rest is. Most of us think of rest, at least in some degree, is how, how the sluggard is described in Proverbs. We're just you know, laid out there, not moving, not doing anything. Man, movement empowered by the Holy Spirit with the source of strength coming from the right place can be just as restful and more than sitting on your rumpkus doing nothing. Did he say rumpkus? Yes. Far better than other words that could have been put there. Amen. <clears throat> Let me, so, and maybe you're like, well, I don't know. I don't like that. Let me, can I ask you this? Like, look, be honest with yourself and with me and the Lord. Who here actually feels less stressed and more rested when they keep pushing things off that need to be done? Man, nobody does, right? Because ignoring what needs to be done and kicking the can down the road, it just means a heavier load later on. And then even more feelings of being overwhelmed. That's, that's not biblical rest. That's procrastination, and they're not the same thing. Procrastination will rob you of real rest in the long run. Um... These are kind of tough ideas to illustrate, but I'm going I'm to try with this, okay? So let's use, let's use vacations as an example of rest being an active choice and not passive avoidance, okay? Um, planning, preparing for, and going somewhere, either alone or with family or friends, it, <clears throat> it can be an active decision that you make to prioritize rest. Right? to recharge and hit the reset button on, on your daily and weekly rhythms. There is something about human nature that in, in the same environment all the time, we, we tend to kind of rut out into stuff. And so there can be a value. There can be an intentional choice made that I want to I invest in relationships with other people or I'm going to go off alone, spend time with the Lord, but to kind of reset, recharge, rest up, take a vacation, okay? But here's what I'm saying. Th- that, that whole idea, it, it takes action. Okay, the planning takes action. Making sure that responsibilities at home or work are, are going to be covered, that takes action. And then actually going to wherever you decide to go, it all takes action, right? So there's, it's not just <laughs> sitting there daydreaming about it, but being overwhelmed by the idea of doing anything to move towards it, right? That's, that's not restful, that's discouraging, on the other hand, passivity or laziness, it might, it'll make excuses about why it's, it's too much work to do all that planning and preparing and the going, right? So instead, just continues in, in the self-imposed, life-sucking monotony created by a lack of discipline or willingness to act. Woo! Proverbs went harder than that. I don't know why you guys are acting shocked. I didn't say, when are you going to move, sluggard, right? I didn't hit you like that. That was, you know, Solomon cut a little harder than I did. All right. <laughs> now, let me, let me say this, because this could strike a nerve in a different way that I don't intend to. I, I know some people don't like to travel. <laughs> no point of this sermon is, everyone must take a vacation. No. 
Some people don't like to travel. This, this example that I'm using to try to illustrate what we're talking about, it assumes the person would like to, but is, is too lazy to move towards that desire, okay? Um, it's like in another place how <laughs> Proverbs says, there's a sluggard so lazy, so useless, that they reach their hand to the dish. I imagine them, them kind of sitting in a reclined position like Jabba the Hutt from Star Wars, reaching their hand to the dish, but they're so lazy, they won't bring it back. It's like, you know? They can't, they can't even be bothered to bring the jelly beans or whatever the heck they're eating. If you like jelly beans, whatever, I'm not picking on you. It's just the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, <clears throat> you, you can make fun of the food I like later. We'll be even. Uh, so I just want you to know, like I know there's financial situations, life season stuff that might make vacations impossible. Vacation is not the point here. I just used that as an example of how we think about and approach something like that. In this, underneath this umbrella, an idea of rest, biblical rest being active, not passive. Jesus didn't say, if you're weary and heavy laden, lay down immediately. He said, come to me. The second part is as important as the first. <laughs> not just come, but who you come to. Amen. <clears throat> and this shows us that rest is an active choice. And it also points us toward the intentionality we discussed in point number one, that biblical rest has a purpose. Okay? Those, I would see those pretty neatly dovetailed together. The third thing I'm going to give you, third thing to consider, is that biblical rest is a gospel issue. Maybe thus far you still are having a hard time connecting to why this matters. Um, you're not seeing it as that big of a deal. I would encourage you to keep thinking about it because I am convinced none of us is hitting this perfectly in the way we walk it out in our lives. And it actually is quite important. When you look at the warnings to those overworking and pursuing uh, wealth, status, and power for selfish reasons, the warnings to them are very stark. And when you look at the warnings to the lazy, the sluggard, man, they are very stark. Apparently there's a lot of damage that can be done. A lot of wasted opportunity in the life of a follower of Jesus if they get this stuff wrong. And aren't willing to work on it, aren't willing to submit it to Jesus to keep growing. The last thing I'm going to give you is that biblical rest is a gospel issue. Biblical rest is a gospel issue. So hopefully for those of you who are followers of Jesus, this, this automatically makes your ears perk up. Well, hold on. How? Why? Because if it's a gospel issue, then I, for sure I need to be aware of what that means, how that applies. Once, once God rescued Israel from the Egyptians... You guys remember that? He sends Moses in, 10 plagues. They run up out of there with all the stuff. Red Seas is clicking up, uh, you know, ringing a bell for you. Okay, Here's, that's where we're at. Then he takes them out of the promised land, or sorry, into the wilderness. They're heading to the promised land eventually. Into the wilderness and he established laws for them. This is all in the time of Moses, okay? One of those laws was that they would honor a Sabbath and keep it holy, okay? Fourth commandment. They were not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. It was a day for rest and worship, and that was it. Okay? Most of you, are, if you've been around Bible stuff for any amount of time, you're aware of that. I'm laying that out for those that maybe are brand new to the Bible. That when we say Sabbath, that's what we're talking about. God established that there, a, one of the seven days of the week would be set aside for rest and worship. No work was to be done. You couldn't compel even your animals or servants to work. 
everybody rested in honor and, and in faithful trust to God in that day and, and just obedience to what he said. But we got this fella in Numbers 15, okay? The Bible says he was out on a Sabbath gathering sticks in open defiance to this law that God has, had established. And do you know what happened? God commanded that the man be stoned to death. Now, I know that, that might seem harsh to you, but part of why I'm bringing this up is so that you realize the severity and the intensity and the reality of how big a deal biblical rest is. And it's tied to something even bigger than just physical rest for its own sake. I know that might seem harsh, but if you consider what God's ultimate purpose in the Sabbath was, we will see why this infraction, this disobedience by this man, was, was, it was so heinous. It might seem to us like guys just picking up some sticks on the Sabbath. What? Well, it's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. Some of it's tied all the way back to what you believe about things God either commands or restricts. How convinced are you that if God says don't do that, even if he doesn't give you any other explanation, how convinced are you that when, he, when God the Father says don't do that, there's a real good reason for it and it's for your good. That's, man, I'm telling you, just that principle right there to the degree we're convinced of is gonna have a lot to do with how our life goes and how effective we are for the kingdom. So what am I talking about with the Sabbath? How is it bigger than that? than what it seems on the surface. The Sabbath was not just to teach the children of Israel the importance of making the choice to rest physically and temporarily. The Sabbath was pointing forward to God's plan to provide rest for his people spiritually and eternally. It was tied to something far bigger than just not working one day of the week. Now, if you have a Bible and you're quick at turning, go with me to Hebrews 4, okay? And I'm gonna start in verse 8. If you're not, that's fine. Just listen carefully as I read. And I'm only inviting some of you to turn if you want, just because I don't know how much you guys have read Hebrews, but the moment someone said it's the book of Hebrews, you know we're about like, we're jumping in the gospel deep into the pool. Like slide on your gospel floaties because it's about to get deep, right? So I'm just saying, if you can, it might help for you to have your eyes on this because it's even a little, <clears throat> there's a point being made here and we're gonna hit it, but it, I gotta read a little bit to get it, so. I mean, we're looking at roughly eight verses here. So, okay, I'm in Hebrews four, starting in verse eight, okay? For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. Okay, so he, he just got done with argumentation around the failings of those who did not get to enter into the promised land. And if you remember, those that did not enter into the promised land, it was because God said, you can go and take that land right now, trust me. And instead, they sent some spies in to double-check God's word. And then many of them, most of them, decided, nah, I think God's wrong on this one. So it wasn't, it wasn't just that they disobeyed God. It was that what? They didn't believe God. That's setting us up to understand how God's doing stuff here. Okay? So that's, this is, that's the context. That's, this is the argumentation flowing into verse 8. Verse 9, consequently... There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works. The one who has entered his rest 
has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. This is a nod back to the reality that, that re- God, God for our sake and for example rested on the seventh day after creating. Don't ever get it twisted and think like God gets to the end of creation. He's like, whew, whew, I need to sit down. No. This whole idea and how much God is, God is willing to humble himself and get low to make examples for us, primary example being Jesus, of course, but God, God takes a break at the end to set into the very created order this idea of rest. And there was a purpose from it all the way back there. And it begins to, it, it begin, his purpose is illuminated even more as we move into this time of Moses where a Sabbath is established. But now he's saying, so the, he was talking about history. Now he's saying right now in this time, one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. That's gospel language right there. You understand? In order to enter into the rest that God is providing us through Christ, we have to rest from our works, our striving, our attempt to be good enough. This is the point that's being made. That, that ultimately the Sabbath was about something far more than just not working on a day of the week. Therefore, let's make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience. Remember, the primary issue of disobedience in that time was disbelief, not believing God. So what is he telling us to stay out of today? Disbelief and not believing God, not being able to grapple with the reality that I am a wretched sinner, that Jesus is a perfect savior, and if I'll trust him, God will count that as righteousness. That is That is the issue of obedience or disobedience that he's talking about. That's going to make the difference in whether we enter his rest or not. Okay? I'm not saying there's not additional obedience behind that, but the motivation's now different. I'm not obeying in order in order to try to get to enter his rest. I'm obeying because he's in great love and mercy towards me, granted me the ability to enter his rest by faith. Why wouldn't I want to obey him? Why wouldn't I want to submit to him and trust him and love him and worship him? I would unless I'm a fool. So therefore, let's make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Some of y'all felt that today when the sluggard was talked about in Proverbs. Some of you felt that today when it talked about Chill out because he grants sweet sleep to his beloved, right? The word does that. It penetrates as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him to whom we must answer. Mm, That's good, terrifying truth right there. Because it lets me know that when it comes to this whole idea of biblical rest, whether I'm, t- I'm tended towards sinful overwork or sinful underwork, that I'm not going to be able to fake it, justify stuff. I'm not going to be able to wrap it in a pretty bow. That the word of God, that the eyes of God pierce down, that no creature hides from him. And so ultimately, when it comes down to how we navigate, am I somebody that's operating in biblical rest or sinful laziness? Man, you know it's going to come down to the motives. It's going to come to stuff all the way down in the heart. Why am I working? Why am I striving? Why am I resting? What's driving me? What are the motivations? Because you could, the actions could look either way and the motivations be jacked. 
It could look like I'm doing the right thing either way or look like I'm doing the wrong thing either way. It comes down to what's going on in here. What do I believe? What, what beliefs am I operating off of? What's happening in my heart? And God knows, right? Remember that. Okay. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore, it's like, okay, this ties to what was before. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's not passed who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. The Sabbath, friends, was always pointing forward. Jesus is now our Sabbath rest. And that is why disobedience, homeboy picking up sticks in numbers, like flat out, he just, he just openly disobeyed the Lord. He, didn't, he wasn't convinced enough of the goodness of God's commands, the goodness of God's intentions towards him. It wasn't just that he picked up sticks. That wasn't the real point. To disobey God is to disbelieve God. And, and, and that, that principle carries forward now as we understand with a greater light upon these principles through the life, death, resurrections, and teachings of Jesus, we understand now it's always been about belief. It's always been about faith. That's always how God was going to count men and women righteous. That was always the plan. Biblical rest, Sabbath, the idea of resting in the truth, the goodness, the trustworthiness of God. That's a gospel issue. If we can't do that, we can't even come to him. And our beliefs about that is going to affect how we live out, out in, in the rest. Right? Now, the guy in Numbers 15, he could have argued, man, it doesn't make sense not to work on the Sabbath. Right? Perfectly good sticks here. Why can't I pick them up? He could have argued it, it didn't make sense that someone shouldn't go out and, and gather sticks. What do you mean? Why does it matter? Why does it matter? But the issue was God wanted them to learn to trust his plan and provision even when it didn't make sense. It's important that his people started to understand that you're going to have to trust me even when it doesn't make sense. Those who resist biblical rest and those that use it as an excuse for laziness, they could both argue for different reasons that the offer of Jesus to come to him for rest, it doesn't make sense. They could, both, like, they could be like the guy in Numbers 15, making, making their case for why God's invitation here doesn't make any sense. But friends, consider this with me. Can, let's, can we be honest about this? It doesn't make, it doesn't make sense that God could take on flesh and be born of a virgin. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he would be born into humble circumstances. If the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, is going to be born into the earth he created, it doesn't make sense that he came in, this, in the situation that he did. Why wasn't he born in a palace and swaddled in gold, man? That's how you'd expect him to come. It doesn't make sense that he comes in such humble circumstances. It doesn't make sense that he was raised in some little podunk town like Nazareth. If, you're gonna, if, you, if somebody's going to raise up and try to raise to prominence and, and turn the world upside down, putting them in Nazareth as a place of their raising makes no sense. Nazareth had no influence. People from Nazareth, most everybody else is like, 
Someone even said, boy, something good could come out of Nazareth? You may remember that from the Gospels. That didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he would let his own creation beat him and mock him and strip him and drive nails through his hands and feet. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense that he would die. It doesn't make sense that he would rise three days later from the dead. And it definitely doesn't make sense that he would call us to rest in our attempts to earn his love or salvation, but he simply asks us to trust him by faith, and then he will count that as righteousness. None of it makes sense. The entire scheme of the gospel doesn't make sense, which is why we have to get to a place of trust and and a place of obedience, knowing that a lot of stuff God's going to ask of me might not make sense, but he's worthy of my trust anyways. And I need to be humble enough to know that when I'm dealing with someone as high as he is, as lofty as he is in his thoughts, so far above me that a lot of what he does and how he does it and what he asked me to do and exactly how I'm supposed to do it might not make sense to me. But have I seen enough? Have I seen enough in Christ? Have I seen enough in how much the whole circumstances around his coming, this fulfillment of the plan of redemption in Christ's birth, life, death, and resurrection, none of it made me sense. And yet it was right. It was the only way it was going to happen. This gospel, friends, it is our ultimate and eternal Sabbath rest. And a gospel framework is the only way we're going to stay out of the jacked up motives for overworking or underworking. Having a gospel framework is the only way you don't end up overworking, trying to carve out some identity or sense of meaning in the world for yourself. Or being so tired of that that you just shrink into a place of laziness and give up. The gospel is what frees us from that rat race or that despair. Again, remember what Hebrews 4.9 said. Consequently, there remains a Sabbath. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Amen. So we see how biblical rest, our motives for resting or not resting, it is tied to this big truth about the rest that God has provided to us in Christ. And that's why I'm saying us thinking about this correctly, us realizing this is a pretty major issue for how we navigate our daily life as Jesus followers, it's, it's tied to bigger things. It runs deeper than it appears on the surface. And so in light of that, or as the, as the writers of Hebrew, Hebrews would say, therefore, <laughs> with all of that in mind, let us not in our arrogance refuse to reflect this truth in our lives by trusting him enough to rest and for the right reasons. And let us not in our foolishness think his invitation to rest is a license for laziness. Instead, let us realize that the offer Jesus gives to lighten our burden, it's not a call to complacency, but complete trust and surrender. It's a call to be near him and walk with him. Didn't he say, Come to me. Come to me, come close to me and and lay down, dear one. No, come to me and take my yoke upon you. You know what a yoke is, right? It's a wooden thing with holes for the head of an animal. There's work to be done. Jesus is saying, come hook up with me in my yoke 
You're going to find out standing next to me when I'm pulling with you how light things can be. Actually, what is best for you is not the perpetual lethargy of laziness. And most of you know that experientially. When do you really feel better, friend? After accomplishing something that you knew needed to be accomplished? Or after laying around putting that off and then dealing with the guilt that follows? And you might say, well, I don't, even, I don't feel guilty about stuff like that anymore. Well, that's even more terrifying. Hopefully the word of God is helping today. And if you need additional help getting up out of that pit, let us know. The invitation, friend, is to be near him and walk with him and to enjoy the true rest that comes in fulfilling the purpose for which he created us. That's what biblical rest looks like. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for this incredible invitation of the master that all who are weary and heavy laden can come to him and he will grant them rest. Lord, help us, <laughs> help us to be humble in our estimation. Help us to realize that in different ways, simply to be, to exist in this broken world means there is weariness, there is a heavy ladenness. Let us not be so foolish as to think we're, we're doing really good on our own. Lord, please forgive us for when we act that way. But on the other end, God, forgive us for when we are very aware of brokenness. We're very aware of how hard things are and we let that push us into lethargy, the way of the sluggard, and we just give up. Lord, we need your supernatural help. We need the anointing of your Holy Spirit to navigate these things in a faithful way. But Lord, help us to do that, not because we're hoping that that means we'll be granted eternal rest, that we'll be granted eternal life with you. Lord, let us never get caught in the lie that how good we're doing or not doing is what's gonna determine whether you love us and invite us close to you. It's always been faith. It's always been, the question has always been, will we trust you or not? Will we trust you when it doesn't make sense? Lord, help us to grow in our ability to do that. You have shown us enough, far more than enough to trust you, to know that you know what you're doing. <laughs> you know better than we do that your intentions towards us are good. Help us rest in those truths and to move forward accordingly. Thank you, God, that you haven't asked us to do any of this on our own. You've never asked us to do anything that you haven't promised to provide the strength to accomplish. You're good. You're a really, really good Father. We love you and we thank you for the rest that you provide. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org.